sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The domestic season may be over, but we still have the closing stages of the Champions League and Europa League finals to play, and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Whatever happened to the TV football theme tune? Which Canadian hip-hop duo are named after a now-defunct former football league club? And what is the most withering football chant of all? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Access to The Athletic is currently free for 30 days. Go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Joining me for the football cliches equivalent of Desert Island Discs, which I have called Mesut Harland Discs, is first of all Charlie Eccleshare. I, I should point out, Charlie, that you're you're not actually going to be able to pick any of the songs, nor will any of these songs be any good. But apart from that, the format is roughly the same. Okay, so it's a bit like David Cameron's Desert Island Discs, where I don't think he actually chose any of his songs and they weren't very good. So Yeah, a little bit like that. My question for you, Charlie, is what would you sing at your Premier League new signing initiation in front of your teammate? I mean, I would want to do something where I you know, didn't have to take myself too seriously. Uh, mm. I quite like sort of singing in a silly kind of Ronan Keating voice because <laughs> um, I feel that allows me to make a bit of a joke of it and cover up the fact that I'm not that great a singer. So maybe something like when you say nothing at all. Oh, right. I thought you were going to go for Life is a Roller Coaster. Yeah, that's quite a Premier League years vibe, isn't it? Or maybe Love Me for a Reason. Uh, oh, Boyzen. wow. Quite the back catalogue you've yeah, got here. Okay, good answers. Um, same <laughs> question to you, guest number two, Nick Miller. Welcome back. Hello. My go-to would it would have been the Smiths, but, you know, post-Morrissey cancellation, I don't know if that's, you know... Don't know if that's possible anymore. But would um, your teammates care? You have to factor that in. Uh, they yeah, well, this, this, this is the thing. I don't imagine that too many footballers, aside from Joey Barton, uh, would recognise, you know, some girls are bigger than others or, or anything like that. <laughs> so um, they either wouldn't, they, they would either wouldn't care about the song or they wouldn't care about uh, Morrissey's apparent views. If Smiths weren't allowed super flamboyant, so something... Do it going kind of full Freddie Mercury on something like Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy. That would be good. My goodness. Okay, so we've had Ronan Keating, Freddie Mercury. Um, promising start. Q BBC Sport Ident. (laughs) 
Now, uh, before we get on to the real business of, of today, we've got a few small matters to take care of. First of all, the concept, Nick, of a farmer's league has really come under the microscope over the last week or so of, of, of Champions League drama. I feel like it's a truly pan-European football cliche now, especially now Kylian Mbappe has tweeted about it in an ironic sense. Where did Farmers League come from, do you think? Why do you think this encapsulates a perceived second-rate league for people? I'm not really sure. I mean, did, did it come from uh, uh, that Cronenberg advert where, you know, the Eric Cantona Cronenberg advert where um, the farmers are, in fact, the, the superstars and, you know, the footballers are, no one really cares that Eric Cantona is a footballer. They just think what he's a farmer. a fascinating theory. Never does it, does it come from that, or is, or, or is it just this the kind of idea that um, it's just a sort of backward agricultural yes. s- sort of place where you know w- where only people who sort of till the the land can can exist, <laughs> well, uh, I and, mean, the, and therefore uh, for some reason no competitive football exists. I don't know, or more specifically, football with one dominant team and uh, a, a, a sort of clutch of other. Also runs. Charlie, this is actually a surprisingly recent thing. I thought it would go back at least sort of a decade, and, uh, and that's how long it took to uh, cultivate, so to speak. But um, the first time it was ever tweeted, the first time the phrase Farmers League was ever tweeted, as far as I can see, in a footballing context, was, and, and I'm not joking here, it's someone whose Twitter name is Elite Alba. Right. And he said, genuinely believe we will annihilate PSG. I'm sorry, <laughs> but they are nothing more than farmers in a Farmers League. Wow, that sounds very Arsenal, doesn't it? What? Because um, because I kind of missed this a bit. I mean, I I think I sort of look, look, looked on Twitter and there was all this Farmers League stuff, and mm. and there was also at that time a, a Steve McManaman backlash. And in my head, I kind of fused them together <laughs> and thought that he had said Farmers League on air. But but how did it? Like, why? Oh, no, did I don't it think start? it's quite Just... crossed into the mainstream that much. This is still very much a Twitter thing uh, until and yeah. they got hold of it. But no, we we haven't heard a BT Sport pundit talk about farmers leagues just yet. Funny you mentioned Stephen Manaman. It turns out that no less a uh, observer than Raggy Omar, known most notably for his war torn country reporting, expressed his discontent at Stephen Manaman's co commentary this week on the on Champions League duty. This has gone right to the very top, Charlie. We had like night after night of McManaman and. Yeah. I mean, for anyone, that, that does feel feel like a lot. It's like in Sunday League when you play the same team a couple of weeks running and there's always the aggro <laughs> as a result and, and they try and avoid that. It, it just feels like it was sort of, I mean, that much of anyone would be too much and and uh, certainly the case with Macker, it seems, from that, from that sort of reaction. But where next, Nick? Are we going to get KAD sort of um, appraising uh, Clyde Tilsley? Or what, what's, where, where do we go from here? I hope so. It's quite nice that the people who sort of spend their lives reporting on and are surrounded by the most serious things in existence can have these kind of absolute frustrations with something as as just so pointless and yes. such a frippery as a football co-commentator. The idea that someone who has seen the things that presumably he's seen can get annoyed by this is is really <laughs> quite enjoyable. But maybe, Nick, it's even worse for them. It's like, is this what we fought for? <laughs> um, I, I didn't yeah, see, yeah, I didn't see uh, a Hezbollah terrorist attack for this. Exactly, <laughs> says Omar. On to the real business of today's episode, uh, which is football and music. And, and, and the surprising number of ways that they kind of intersect over the years. The, the natural place to start here is TV theme tunes. Nick, I've got this one for you. This is a very curious development in the history of the match of the day theme tune. Put simply, this is when it went weird for a bit in 1990-91. Mm. 
do you make of that? It's very CBBC. Yeah, it, to me it sounds like one week it, it gets to sort of 10pm or something and someone realises that they've lost the tape with the, the original theme tune on it. So they found <laughs> they found like a Casio keyboard and, uh, of, you know... <laughs> a jazz the, flute. Yeah, pressed the demo button on that with the kind of roughly the right sort of tempo on it and then got someone to play the theme tune on the, the Casio keyboard. I really wasn't aware of this until you, you pointed it out to us and it's just a... So was this... Was this like for the season or no, I don't was, remember was, this at all or was it just it just a, for, a brief interlude it was for the highlights of the FA Cup first round so this was match of the day road to Wembley and by all accounts it was a very short lived affair because um, uh, unofficial reports have just lots of complaints about it saying what have you done to the match of the day theme tune so they sort of swiftly and quietly changed it back and it was never heard of again and I've seen no explanation of why it was brought in and, and why it was so swiftly removed yeah, this sounds like the sort of Coca-Cola experiment of the mid-80s where they exactly. changed and then there's this massive backlash. This is like the, the match of the day equivalent of that. Now we'll, And we'll never speak of it again. As enduring as, as match of the day theme tune is, and, and of course, uh, I, I feel like I'll, I'll never get officially properly bored of it, even though it doesn't really kind of dictate my love of football anymore. I do wonder if it's a bit of an outlier these days, Charlie, because what has happened to the football theme tune? You, you take Sky for example, they don't they don't really have theme tunes anymore. It's just it's just sort of very, very curiously chosen mid range pop songs, right? Yeah, I mean you think back to Grandstand and that kind of thing. Yeah. That theme tune though, back in the day, it must mm-hmm. have been about twenty one, something like that was about twenty one and a group of us were away on a, a lads trip and we're you know, suffering quite badly from a few nights going out. And we just really couldn't get out. It was our last night. We just really couldn't get up for it until someone put on the grandstand theme tune and it just absolutely revitalized everyone. It was a incredible moment. And I still look back on it and I think, did we kind of imagine that? But there is video footage of it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I missed that song Nick, you're about to say what I think you're about to say. Yeah. I'd be delighted. Yeah, yep, yep. The, the, my favourite clip of, of all time is of um, Aphex Twin mixing the Grandstand <laughs> theme tune into what was described by the person who sent it to a minute by minute or something like that as um, mm. a punishing set. Um, <laughs> and he said that the, the drop when um, w- when Grandstand came in was one of the most cathartic moments of his life. <laughs> it would be so unexpected and just and so just charming in its own lovely little way just to dig deeper into sky's very curious list of selections for super sunday and its various other iterations monday night football or, or whatever you, you we've had republica we've had oasis we've had andreas johnson ronan keating charlie's favorite <laughs> stone roses texas maloko the chemical brothers kasabian paul weller the farm yeah yeah yes and and then we got into the kind of more recent territory with Tiny Temper. And then after that, I'm not really sure who any of these people were. There was Sigma, Tom Grennan, Labyrinth. It, I feel like it's, I, I don't know what the trajectory of, of those song choices were, but someone at some point got hold of it all, Nick, and just went, got to be a little bit cooler here, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, what? And then went for Republica. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, a long time after that. I mean, Republica, in my eyes, is perfectly cool, perfectly pumps me up for a, uh, I don't know, Wolves versus Leeds. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just all got very kind of street all of a sudden. Alive and Kicking, of course. Uh, do do, do mm. you want to know who chose uh, Alive and Kicking, for uh, who nominated it for uh, for use for Sky? Yes, please. James Richardson. Oh, really? my goodness. Yeah, he was just before... Oh, goodness. Just before the kind of um, the Football Italia days kicked off, he worked for Sky, 
And um, yeah, that was that was one of the last things he did while working at Sky was wow. nominate Alive and Kicking for for use for their um, new football coverage. What a fascinating little little nugget! That's 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 paid your entrance fee already. <laughs> what happened, Adam? You'll know to the uh, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. Like, when did they get rid uh, of that? Because that, that was that was Monday Night Football. Yeah, that's wasn't right. It, in the early days. I, I, f- I feel like they, they still kind of incorporate it in the current theme tune. I'm not entirely oh, sure. They? I mean, perhaps I, perhaps I should have done my research for this. This has been a very integral part of this episode, but I'm not entirely sure. It's just over the last, say, two or three years, I, I've, I've noticed, a, noticed a pattern, especially with the Super Sunday music, where I, I'm starting to get the sense that people who write songs are starting to think, well, maybe we can get this as the theme tune to Super <laughs> Sunday if they write their songs in a certain way. And... Um, uh, as we all do, I was watching uh, Netflix um, phenomenon selling sunset the other day, and uh, one of the songs on its um, just preposterous soundtrack is a song called "Watch Me" by the Phantoms, and I feel like this is the most perfect Super Sunday Tulsi music you could possibly hear. Just watch me now. Charlie, everything about that, I feel like I've already heard it on Super Sunday at some That's point incredible. since 2014. I, can, I literally can see a rainy sort of, I'm imagining United Liverpool, so I'm imagining <laughs> either a rainy Old Trafford or Anfield, the players slowly walking in, Dave Jones setting the scene, United haven't been on form and they have a major test this afternoon. It's very perfect. It's like young player with point to prove music, isn't yeah. it? I feel like there, there is. I mean, for all for all the kind of slightly dubious selection policies here, there is always something slightly inherent in the sentiment of these songs that says this is about competition. Something. This is serious business. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. Like, mm. it, it's very it's very kind of Jack Grealish coming back from a three game suspension for after you know unwisely <laughs> elbowing someone in the face vibes. Very very much that I think. Uh, the Phantoms don't even have a Wikipedia page, so I don't I don't know if they're um, if they're quite big time enough to get on Super Sunday. But uh, these days, you just don't know. On to perhaps more highbrow selections, Charlie. I've I've got very fond memories of of World Cup 2018 when the BBC, who who are just wonderful at, at various montages at, at any stage of a tournament, they combined the national with England versus Colombia penalty shootout. Just made your heart swell for almost innocuous reasons in the middle of the tournament montages big fan yeah huge uh, f- growing up a friend of mine uh, a friend of my brother's he called them gift boxes i don't really know <laughs> right. why but i always so i always called them that i didn't really realize that wasn't a kind of universal term for them about 20 years ahead of his time by the sounds of it <laughs> yeah i i mean i love a good gift box i think they're so evocative i know i often bring tennis into you know tennis cliches into football cliches yeah. but at the end of wimbledon it's always quite a big deal the uh mm the kind of outro gift box and there have been some great ones but that um yeah that national one i mean i showed my wife that i, f- I found that like spine tinglingly good i know a lot of a lot of people did i mean I-, I put it to you guys as well i've i've often thought about this how much would you pay to have your <laughs> your own football playing career put into <laughs> oh, a kind of um, you know that style montage uh i, I would pay uh, a lot personally i should um at this point, I should. I've never, never had that honour. But um, my brother did when he was when he was about five or six. He was playing junior football, um, and 
he he got a compilation of, of all his goals scored against completely random kids and terrible goalkeepers to this to a soundtrack of Def Leppard. Oh my god! And I'm pretty sure he's still got the VH, VHS tape lying around somewhere, and I'm, I bet he's absolutely delighted that I've just mentioned it. And and annoyingly, some really good goals in there, sort of half volleys in off the bar at the age of six. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm I should the- rebrand it into a YouTube video with sort of um, yeah, Ollie Hurry pipe symbol. Um, belting finishes uh, 1991 I think about these sort of things when I'm running and I've got that kind of music on I'll often in my head be imagining that the song I'm listening to is kind of played to my scuffed <laughs> finishes from the years Nick you mentioned uh, you mentioned James Richardson a minute ago of course which leads us on to Gazetta which is an iconic football theme tune but I, I, I strongly suspect that a lot of people don't know where the original uh, anything about the original track behind it so before it got kind of, I don't want to say vandalised, but added to with the kind of pseudo-Italian voiceover over the top, um, this was a genuinely authentic UK dance track by Definitive 2, I'm Stronger Now, and it came out in 1992. Uh, Definitive 2, one of the producers was called Steve Dubery, which, which, who I hope is related to Michael, but I don't think he is. Uh, he's co-writer of Tina Turner's I Don't Want to Fight, and he's also written and produced material for Blue, Jackie Jackson, Simon Webb, Christoberg, Heather Small, Joe Cocker, Liberty X and Cliff Richard. So that's the guy behind the uh, Gazetta theme tune. I didn't realise until I was... Um, uh, James found a load of old uh, Gazettas in sort of a tape, a box of tapes in his loft a, a while ago. And after watching all those, I did, did uncover this, you know, the original version of the Gazetta theme music. It sort of sounds like... It's it's very very early '90s kind of house track. It sort of yeah. sounds like the music that plays, um, or the start of a song anyway. It plays in the uh, the bit in a film where kind of an like a hedonistic <laughs> but ultimately quite troubled character has a moment of sort of clarity and contemplation and walks emotionally through the streets. You know, uh, every, it, it's so busy here, but I feel so alone. It's that kind of got that that sort of vibe to it. Um, Good analogy yeah. for us opening our eyes to continental football in the early nineties. Exactly, so, yeah. Um, no and a, but, but yeah, I, I had it was one of those things that I just kind of assumed only existed in the sphere of football, and I had no idea that it was you know had a, had some kind of life before. Onto another subgenre of football and music, Charlie, uh, which is FA Cup final slash World Cup team songs. Again, I feel like this is a phenomenon that has died a, a rather sad death over the last maybe decade or so. I can't remember the last one. I feel like we should start with the the ultimate England at a major tournament song, which is Three Lions. But rather than play the original, I'm going to play the sort of lesser known and lesser celebrated outtakes version, which which appeared on the compilation album, The Beautiful Game, which came around at the same time as the tournament. And it's a genuinely good banter with Skinner and Badil. Three lions on a shirt just near where it says umbro the white one shows the dirt the gray one not as much though i think perhaps we've concentrated too much on the shirt oh okay then charlie i I feel i mean i know they, they recycled three lines at least one more time for a major tournament even in an unofficial capacity but did we just peak with three lines um everything considered and there was simply no way back for a kind of everybody get together and sing a decent song for England at a major tournament. Three lines, that self-deprecation element, it did just capture a moment so well that's uh, 
yeah never really been done before or since like it's either gone too jokey and silly or it's been really mm. earnest in that kind of altogether now mold if we've identified the kind of the peak of the um the kind of collective team song despite the fact that it doesn't really seem to have actually featured any players voices in the background we, we should probably perhaps look at the other end of the spectrum nick germany's kind of uh effort for usa 94 was a kind of two-pronged affair the A-side was um, far away in America featuring the village people and the German squad. Uh, but this was the B-side, which I think is far more enjoyable because it contains Lothar Matthäus rapping. Thoughts, Nick? Any thoughts? Perhaps I'm betraying my sort of cultural ignorance here, but listening to that, you really think it's a miracle that the German rap scene never really took off, did it? <laughs> um, yeah, they were accompanied. The German squad was accompanied by a, a rap trio called Four Reeves. Um, or I guess Fear Reeves, I, I assume. Um, uh, inexplicable bunch of, of people, um, all told. Uh, especially, uh, Lota Mateus was also joined by Carhai's Riedler, who was spitting some rhymes in the next verse. And the whole thing is just absurd. If you take a closer look at it, um, a little dig in there, because the title of the song is Everybody's Going to the USA. And of course, mm. we didn't qualify. <laughs> so maybe they're having a little laugh at our expense, Charlie. Yeah, and do you remember they then commandeered Three Lions once we were knocked <laughs> out? They were singing Football's Coming Home. And I remember my, whatever I was, eight-year-old self was absolutely indignant mm. about that. Oh, yeah. That, and that's, that's lasted quite a while, you know, a few more tournaments since. And there's, and there's some genuine natural fury amongst uh, a mm. certain section of England fans about it. But it's genuinely funny, isn't it? It's a genuinely funny thing to do. Because I remember, of course, it sparked a huge debate in the last World Cup about whether Three Lines was a sincere song or not, which is an absolutely bizarre <laughs> philosophical debate to have in the middle of a football tournament. Just on that as well, the, the players being involved, uh, Frank Skinner, he tells quite a funny story about, because in, in the Three Lines video, they, they do go and they play some football with some of the England squad, but they turned up and apparently the likes of Alan Shearer just were not up for it at all. And he was like... I can totally imagine that. I think he said something like, can't I just carry on signing footballs? Because that was sort of what he was doing that day. (laughs) And his kind of... I think they had a bit of time off for this sort of things. And so, you know, sponsorship commitments or whatever. And so instead, you've got really round... I think Robbie Fowler... David Platt and very prominent is Steve Stone in the video. So it's very much a whoever's around sort of vibe rather than, you know, really getting the big names. I've got a little bonus option. This is from 2006 and um, this is highly unofficial just for the World Cup and it, it's called England Starts With An E. Nick, that's that's a genuine banger, isn't it? It just seems like a very 2006. Was there some kind of early 90s, late 80s sort of shaman style re- <laughs> revival that I missed? It just seems like a, quite a curious choice for for the time. I mean, you know, it works, but I'm just just interested in the thought process that went that sort of um, that led to them doing that. I guess they're just tapping into a certain demographic who, yeah. uh, who who might be sort of the average age of an England fan in 2006 and who might have appreciated that song maybe, what, 13 years earlier. 
This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you could be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, and the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. I do worry that one of the reasons why we've run out of sort of pre-FA Cup final or pre-World Cup songs is that we simply run out of vague sentiments to producers the song titles. I, here is a list. Of, I'll skip through the list of, of in, official England songs for tournaments. Back Home, This Time We'll Get It Right, We've Got the Whole World at Our Feet, All The Way, World In Motion, Three Lions, How Does It Feel To Be On Top Of The World, then there was Jerusalem, which I guess is just a hymn, but We're On The Ball, All Together Now, World At Your Feet, Shout Shout For England, Sing For England, <laughs> uh, well, that's it. So I guess we just ran out of vague ways to kind of declare our humble intentions ahead of a major tournament, Nick. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, this time we'll get it right. Yeah, real that is of, brilliant. The, 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 it's So that was 1982. I mean, yes. that, that kind of feels... I don't know. I, I, I suppose there had been... There have been a couple of times where England didn't qualify, so mm. but it, it does feel still feels quite close to 1966. You know when they when they won it. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 real kind of all right. We know we usually fuck this up, but you know the, 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 this time we're going to get it right. And of, <laughs> of course, evokes the uh, 1998 Scotland song by Delamitri, "Don't Come Home Too Soon," which is a bit of very. <laughs> Very similar vibe in that kind of we expect failure, but you know, let's look on the bright side, lads. Yeah, that this time we get it right sounds less sort of tub thumping song and more if they wheeled out the kind of FA's technical director to do a pre tournament press conference and you know, be like, you know, we, we have learnt lessons, it's not always been easy, but we're confident that this time we will get it right. Like that, B side is root and branch review, yeah, exactly. It feels more root and branch review than, than you know, we're gonna go and win. Perhaps players are just too big time now to kind of be corralled well, into doing this. This. Isn't it more probably one of these really prosaic things that like image rights and that sort of thing would make getting everyone together to sing impossible or something mm. like that, which is really which is kind of you know the football becoming way too serious, but yeah. I expect that probably be that sort of thing. I suspect so. I mean, Nick, as we alluded to at the very start of this episode, the only times you really hear footballers sing now is in these these new signing initiations which i guess is another kind of pan-european modern trend i feel like it, i feel like it, it, it it's borderless and but they always seem to be the same as, as like um a young player who's just signed for a big european club standing on a on exactly the same chair in exactly <laughs> the same function of the exact same hotel every single time always singing drake it's always drake <laughs> uh, and uh um, as far as initiations go, I suppose it, it, it's moved on from Wimbledon cutting up your clothes and burning them and throwing them out the window. But um, I do wonder, if, is, is this the most effective way to to uh, incorporate a young footballer into a, into a, an environment? Well, it's. I mean, it seems like the kind of thing that will be you know written about in the sort of next stage. You, you see, you kind of read pieces about how horrifically young players were treated in a bygone age. Ten years time, this will be the thing. They, you know, it'll be kind of some Chelsea youngster who sort of tearfully tells the tale about how he was, you know, he was made to 
sing a Taylor Swift song or something, uh, you know, <laughs> as as part of his initiation. I don't, I don't, There's... I've never quite understood why. And maybe I'm just being a bit wet here, but I've never quite understood mm-hmm. why sort of humiliation is the best way <laughs> to integrate yourself into the team. I don't know. It, the, the, I'm sure there's there is some kind of psychological reason for it. You know, it's it, it reduces your inhibitions or something like that. But are, uh, you, are know, you th- saying that that football team initiation should be just like normal workplace sort of first days? It's like, oh, what did you do for your initiation? Was it horrendous? Oh no, I just I just brought in a a twelve pack of Krispy Kremes and. Uh, and uh, that was it. Yeah, something nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, what's, exactly. what's wrong with being nice, Adam? <laughs> you might be right, Charlie. Of course, there is a relatively rich history of footballers as proper singers. Uh, Hoddle and Waddle, Diamond Lights. Uh, Waddle teamed up with Basil Bolly, friend of Stuart Pearce, of course, <laughs> for "We've Got a Feeling," which was absolutely hilariously bad. That was kind of a Franco-English affair. Uh, Ian Wright, Andy Cole. Any others? There's Paul McGregor, isn't there? Who <laughs> certainly um, is. <laughs> but I mean, he was like a. He did a recent interview with the Athletic, which was fantastic. I certainly recommend. He probably I mean, he went was a bit for more it. serious than those yeah, guys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Ian Wright was more. I've got a platform. I'll give it a go. And actually, on the '98 Arsenal's '98 uh, FA Cup final song, "Hot Stuff," all you can oh, hear yes. in the in the group uh, singalongs is Ian Wright just shouting. That was a genuinely good FA Cup final song. Yeah, um, very yeah, good. Yeah, you've taken a decent song and you've footballised it a little bit and, and yet somehow maintained its integrity. Excellent work all round. Nick, tell us about Paul McGregor and his um, and his post Nottingham Forest music career. Oh, I mean, it was during Nottingham Forest. He was in he was in bands throughout his his playing. What were his bands called again? Uh, one of them was called Merc. Um, <laughs> Pre Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> It's Merc yeah, with a C, I, I believe. Merc with a C, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. I, I can't. There were a couple of others that I can't remember, but I think one of them got signed, um, like to a genuine record label. They didn't really go anywhere from that, but but yeah, he was kind of. It it, it was one of those things that where it, it, you know the mid nineties was still an era where you'd, you didn't quite know, and particularly with Paul McGregor, who was a, at best a fringe player for Forest. Mm. Um, went on to be a kind of a bit of a cult hero at Plymouth, but he it was, it was the, the mid nineties was still one of those eras where you didn't know a huge really a huge amount about players away from the pitch, or certainly not as much as you do now. But everyone knew about this kind of mm. third or fourth choice strikers indie band. He had a sort of off the shelf indie haircut as well. Mm. Um, you know, very much so. Long kind I- of long blonde hair swept over his ears with um, with big sideburns as well. I feel like there have been even more obscure kind of subtle crossovers between football and music. I hope with all my heart that American singer-songwriter Halsey is named after Mark Halsey. Mm. I, I also <laughs> hope that, that country band Megson are named after Gary Megson. But I'm about to play you this clip, and I, I, I hope that one of you at least will know who this is. Maybe come back to me. My love is burning white hot. I gave her the bat like Nat and left her laying lavish, rosy, ravishing, gave her the white spot. She's on my mind every time that I think my thoughts, but I think that I might not think so clear. Anyway, any ideas, anyone? Is that is that Clint Dempsey? No. No? Ah. Is it is it Josie Altador? No. Um, good, both very solid guesses, fair play, and, uh, and both would have been very good to talk about. But unfortunately, you're both wrong, because this is in fact... 
Canadian electronic alternative hip hop group Rushton and Diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's, brilliant. Uh, they consist of the duo Michael Rushton, whose name is actually Michael James Gilbert, and Lord Diamonds, whose name is Robert <laughs> Carl Edward Cock. And uh, uh, by apparent coincidence, they uh, they have come together and formed Rushton and Diamonds. And uh, uh, they don't they don't have a Wikipedia page again, so that's that's the kind of well, I suppose neither do Rushton and Diamonds, uh, the football club. So. Uh, there was yeah. there was also uh, a, there was also a band that was knocking around about sort of fifteen twenty years ago called Carlo Cudicini. Um, <laughs> wow! I don't I have I really have no idea what their music was like, but they were all I used to, for for sort of three or four years in a row. You'd see them on posters for Reading and Leeds, and they would always be sort of fifth or sixth down on the smallest stage. So I don't think they were they certainly weren't very successful. Don't think they were any good, but. Um, you know, I, I assume that that is a tribute to the former Chelsea goalkeeper rather than a tribute. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um, the, yeah, there have been references on... as well. I remember, like, mm. do you remember that song Shine by Aswad? They uh, yes. they reference Ian Wright in that. The crowd is oh, roaring, right. Ian Wright scoring. And they also mm. talk about Colin Jackson, slightly randomly. <laughs> they also like I, I remember growing up, there were songs that I thought reference, like, you know, Two Tribes Go to War. Yeah. I was sure that it's someone they say looking for a flat back four. <laughs> Other sort of obscure, sort of niche references to football and music. Um, well, I suppose this one isn't that niche. In Billy Bragg's sexuality, um, you had the line, an un- I had an uncle who once played for Red Star Belgrade, oh, yes. which is a favourite. And then also, how can you lie back and think of England when you don't even know who's in the team? Um, <laughs> there's also the, uh, there's a Roots Manoeuvre song, which co- uh, contained the line, Hassle Banks like Jimmy Floyd. Um, which is nice. <laughs> enormously enjoyable, and then the the, the back catalogue of indie favourites, Los Campesinos. That is an absolute goldmine. There's there's one one reference from the song "All Your Kayfabe Friends," and the line is, "You asked if I could be anyone from history, fact or fiction, dead or alive. I'd be Tony Cascarino, circa 1995." <laughs> <laughs> Harry sponsors football cliches, a podcast brought to you by the Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. As a listener of Football Clichés, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover, by going to harrys.com forward slash football clichés right now. That's harrys.com forward slash football clichés. We have reached our logical destination for this episode, which is perhaps the lowest brow subgenre of football and music, which is football chants. And now I, I ask this question with a very heavy heart, Charlie, but what is your favourite football chant? Do you even have one? I do like when things evolve. And I, I liked um, the Teddy Sheringham one after his first season at uh, United. And it was went to Man United and he won fuck all. And then he won the treble <laughs> and it was went to Man United and he's still a c word i just thought that was quite uh you know it was like well he may have won the treble but we're still gonna have a bit of fun with it uh and i think he always he always quite enjoyed that uh that banter nick any any particular football chance to just just get on your tits 
Um, well, I mean, I think you, you you have nominated. You're not fit to wear the shirt. You're not fit to referee. You don't know what you're doing. That's that's just. You're not fit to wear the shirt, and, <laughs> and by extension, you're not fit to referee. My problem here is that the sentiment is okay. They're basically saying you're shit or you're disloyal or you just don't have the characteristics to play for my club. And in terms of referee, that's fairly even more even more obvious. You're just a rubbish referee. The sentiment is fine. It's just the way it's expressed. No one. No one talks like that. You don't say, oh, he's not fit to wear the shirt. You're not fit to referee this game. The whole thing is just too pompous. I, it, I don't buy it as a as an exclamation from 30,000 people at once. It's just not for me. My favourite, I think, that I've ever heard in the ground, very specific, it was when that curious spell where Sven Joran Eriksson was Leicester manager, which I assure you did happen. Um, and <laughs> I was in the away and there was some disparaging chants about Sven Jura Eriksson and the Leicester fans replied with Sven's had more sex than you which I <laughs> yes. enjoyed enormously and had to concede he probably has keeping up your 100% record of mentioning Sven Jura Eriksson on your podcast appearances here which is which is fine by me because um, <laughs> what a wonderful man we should touch briefly on the extent and, and the variation in derogatory football chants. I'm not talking about truly terrible, heinous ones. I'm talking about sort of your generic ones that you sort of chant at the opposition. And the various ways that you can tell an opposition player that they aren't very good is astonishing because you can simply go for you are shit, you are shit, which is, which is blunt force. Perhaps hasn't quite got the tune as, say, you're shit and you know you are, which is, the, of course, the venerable go west inspiration there which is used for pretty much every possible purpose in football chance uh i do like a little bit of extra context charlie how shit must you be we're winning away or any variant <laughs> of that because at least at least that kind of drags it back towards self-deprecation so that's nicely balanced it's got a bit of texture to it mm. that gallows humor is important isn't it we've had mm. a shot we've had a shot etc mm. oh yes oh yes yeah. soon we'll have sort of xg based chance like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, down with the Club X, you're going down with the Club X, which sort of brings other teams into the mix as well, just by, you know, vicarious kind of ridicule. So that's nice. Um, we've covered um, Your Shit Are in previous episodes. I think it was episode eight, The Sounds of Football, uh, which we got really deep into the the art of Your Shit Are, which is just a truly wonderful thing. Nick, where do you stand on Who Are You? Who Are You? When a sub comes on. That just feels feel like you're just displaying your own ignorance, aren't you? Yeah, you clearly haven't been paying attention. But you also get that when just just generically directed at opposition fans. Say if <laughs> if there's a if there's a song that you maybe didn't understand, or you know some kind of odd chant that is particular to a certain group of fans, or immediately after a goal or something like that, you, you just get a, a rousing chorus of "Who are you?" which just doesn't really mean anything. Um, it it just seems like a that, kind of the, the 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 last refuge of the unimaginative football fan. Yeah, that feels like just sort of muscle memory kicking in. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You, you feel it. What I find weird is it, it feels sometimes as if all teams get together in a kind of summit meeting and decide right this tune we all need to have a song <laughs> to this tune. And like, do you remember like thousand one? There was that hey hey Reza I wanna know, and every team adopted mm. that. And had mm. that. There's obviously, as you say, Adam. There's Go West. There's been the um, what's the Be- Beach Boys song? The uh, Sleep John B. Oh, Sleep John B. And that sudden, yeah. every team had had a song to that. It's, it's really funny how these there, there are these sort of cycles where you know songs just get adapted by everyone. 
Also, uh, we've got X player. I just don't think you understand, which is incredibly irritating. <laughs> yeah. Some slightly more surreal and subtle notes. Um, this is from 1994. It's from a Belgian comedian, Jacques Vermeer. And uh, at some point during this clip, you're going to work out who he's singing about, and it's going to fill your heart with glee. Score! Here we go. Look was this was this sort of post horrific injury because if it was that, that that's very uh, it's a very, very emotional lament that. no it was it was recorded uh, just before the 1994 world cup so before he really became uh, luke nillis himself became into the kind of uk mainstream consciousness uh, with dramatic circumstances but um just a, just a lovely song and uh, 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 a little bit of digging kind of reveals that it might not be entirely serious, which is really devastating for me because this bloke's just a, a comedian by the sounds of it, with a, but with a very, very nice voice. But I'd like to hear more songs like that about current footballers, especially goal scorers. That would be really nice, wouldn't it, Nick? Yeah, just a kind of a, a, a genuinely sincere appreciation of a, of someone's, you know, a playing ability and, you know, perhaps mm. even character. Various clubs have their established entrance music. I feel like the one that has the, kind of the most subtle appeal for me is uh, at Newcastle, where they play Theme of the Local Hero by Mark Knopfler, just before kickoff. And I associate it indelibly with them reading out the team news on Match of the Day just before they're about to play the highlights. So this is roughly how this sort of thing goes. Newcastle manager Steve Bruce described the 4-0 defeat at Wolves on Wednesday night as simply unacceptable and he's rung the changes at St James's Park this afternoon. Out go Paul Dummett, Emil Kraft and Joe Linton. There are recalls for Javier Manquillo and Yoshinori Muto, while 20-year-old Lewis Cass, born in North Shields, makes his debut at left-back. Andy Carroll, fit again after three months out, takes his place on the Newcastle bench. How much of the day do you feel right now? How much yeah, of the day do you I, feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so much of that kind of 97 kind of era soon after Shearer had joined. And it, and I also, I find this so funny because I I heard that, that song was played. I heard it randomly and I was like, oh, what song is this? And I was told it was the theme of Local Hero. I was like, wait a minute. No, it's the Newcastle match. It's the song Newcastle come on to. And I kind of joined the dots in my head. and was like, oh, that's why they play that. And I'd, I'd <laughs> never I'd never known for like all those years. And uh, it's, it's part of the audio tapestry of the Premier League, as far as I'm concerned, Nick. I just I just feel like I, I couldn't live without it. God knows how it must feel for an actual Newcastle fan. Yeah, it feels like that would be for all the awful things that Mike Ashley has done at Newcastle. If they stopped playing that, that would be the sort of final straw. No, I'm sorry, we get you know, we, we we will accept renaming the stadium, you know, Sports Direct Park or whatever whatever they called it. <laughs> But get rid of Local Hero and we riot. <laughs> Thank you both for joining me. Um, I feel like it's been an achievement to get through this episode without any of us singing, at least properly. Um, so credit to all of us for that. I'll leave you with the, with the most uh, appropriate way we can. This is Hoddle and Waddle's uh, less celebrated follow-up to Diamond Lights. It's called It's Goodbye.
Hoddle's falsetto there. Pretty impressive, isn't it? Superb. I, I, I heard that song um, a while ago and didn't. It didn't. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and it didn't sort of connect that it was Hoddle and Waddle. Sensational song. Yeah, that to me sounds just like generic '80s pop. And there's no bigger compliment than that. On that note, thank you both. Get on with your days uh, and see you next time.